Second and two. Brian pressured, and it is a turnover. Big boy Deron Payne with the ball. How about it? Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of Draft Daily. Today I'm joined by a good friend of mine, Steve Schaup. He's just an all-around smart football guy. You can find him doing the fan speak on the clock simulator. We're going to be talking about De'Aaron Payne, one of the most interesting prospects there is in the entire class. Steve, how are we doing today? Doing good. Thanks for having me on the show. Absolutely, man. I'm pumped to talk to you. Uh, big shout to to Joe, who who's like, you got to have Steve on. He's one of the best football minds that that I know. You just told me you played little league baseball with him, and that, that's kind of amazing how life comes full circle. But had to have you on. Had I asked you who you want to talk about, you said De'Aaron Payne. I was telling you before the podcast, the guy looks like a created player. I was joking, like he he looks like the kind of guy that walks around at 310 pounds with a six pack. He he he's a different kind of dude. Just to give people a background of his size, he's six foot two and a half, 311 pounds. He ran a 49540. Can't jump very high. Only 28 inch vertical, 107 inch broad jumps, 7.58 three cone. None of those numbers really jump off the charts other than the 40-yard dash, which is the 83rd percentile. In terms of his statistical production, he had half a sack his freshman year, one and a half sacks his sophomore year, and one sack his junior year. Now, that stuff may not seem all that impressive, but there are a lot of things to like about him. So when you watch De'Aaron Payne, what do you like most about his game? I think what I like most is the fact that, as you just talked about, while his production is lower than you want, he still shows up on film. Like you still notice him on film. You notice him making plays in the running game, not necessarily behind the line of scrimmage, which is something that I know we'll talk about when we get to weaknesses, but he's, he's there off. You have to scheme around him. You can't just run right at him. He will make you pay. He will get off double teams. Uh, he doesn't get a ton of sacks, but he does generate a decent number of pressures and he he's quick off the ball. I really love his first step quickness. Uh, when he's allowed to go attack the backfield and not just two gap, he can make. I think he can make plays in the backfield. To piggyback off a couple of the things you just said right there, the first is his first step is phenomenal. Like when he goes up the field, he can blow by centers. He can play three tech, one tech, zero tech, line up different places around the line of scrimmage and and blow by that center. His hand usage is fantastic. I think his hands and his and his counter moves are really might be his best trade in my opinion. He's very developed inside pass rusher in terms of his hand usage. I think against the run, he plays with pretty good leverage. He can hold his own. He doesn't really get pushed around very much, and he, he plays with pretty good leverage. He can get lower than his guy and, and kind of really stand up the lineman and not get driven off the football. If you just watched his Georgia game, you'd be talking about a guy that's up there in the top three picks of the draft. Right, like his Georgia game was phenomenal. You you mentioned the pass rush. Every play, it felt like he was in the backfield. He was just dominating people. You watch some of his other games, and he's really inconsistent. There are certain plays where he flashes, and other plays where he he kind of you don't see it as much. Do you think that's a concern, or do you just kind of think do you see untapped potential and say that if this guy figures everything out, he could just be phenomenal? Well, I, and you bring up the Georgia game. That was by far his best college game that I saw him play. But I'll give you maybe his second best game was last year's national championship game versus Clemson. He made three or four really big plays. Uh, again, not always showing up on the stat sheet, but one time he just absolutely blew up a guard 
on an interior run and force the running back to cut outside right into uh, a waiting Alabama defender. Um, to me, I, I think the this is a case where the potential's there for the production to follow. Um, you know, he's de- got the potential to be dominant. I think it's going to take him some time. I don't think he steps onto the field day one and he's making plays in the backfield and wrecking havoc play in, play out. Because like you said, there's a lot of inconsistency in most of the games that you watch. You'll see some flashes, but outside of that Georgia game, you don't see the dominance. And, and that's why he won't be going top five and probably not top 10. I wouldn't be surprised if he slides more to the back half of the first round for that reason, uh, that the consistency is just not there in his game right now. When you watch Payne, he showed up most in the biggest games. You mentioned Clemson in the national title two years ago. Clemson in the playoff game this year. I'm pretty yeah. sure that's the game he got his interception in, right? And he dominated the line of scrimmage in that game, the Georgia game. And that's exciting because that means to me that when the moment's brightest, he's going to show up. But with defensive linemen, I need you to show up every week. And I watched the Tennessee game today some. and Well, not some. I watched the whole game. But there are certain plays where he looks phenomenal. And then there's certain plays where yeah. his motor starts to die. I feel like with we, we talked about he didn't get a lot of sacks. He did get a lot of pressures. And you know, if when he the thing about Alabama is that there's so many good guys that when you do pressure the quarterback and he has to move, he typically has to run into somebody else. So I think he forced a lot of pressures. I think a couple areas he's really going to be able to be used in was one. I think he's pretty good on stunts. Like if you get him to uh, switch to to stunt and go off off tackle and have the defensive end kind of cut in the middle of the field, you can do a lot of things there. He he can he has range. And then I think that. The other thing is he's – you mentioned the quickness. I've seen him line up in three-tech and then go over to the opposite A-gap and kind of take the guard with him and open up a blitzing lane for the corners. And Alabama and Nick Saban were so good at blitzing uh, secondary players and really creating a lot of pressures. And I think part of his game allowed them to do that. So I think some of his athleticism and some of his traits – may not necessarily show up in his production, but allow other people to be productive. Yeah, no, I, I absolutely agree with that. And that's why I said, you know, at the start is even though the the numbers don't jump off the page, especially the big plays, the tackles for loss, the sacks, even the pressures, they're good, not great. You notice him during the games. You notice him opening things up for other guys. You notice him uh, pressuring a guy into another guy. Um, you notice him stout against the run, forcing a running back to cut back into the waiting arms of one of Alabama's other elite defenders. So, you know, that that's good that you still see him. Uh, I do definitely still have concerns about the production, but I don't have as many concerns as I would maybe with another player. Yeah, absolutely. We'll talk about those weaknesses in one second. The other thing I realized that he's pretty good at, too, is... You know, he doesn't always hit the deflect the ball, but when he realizes he's dead, he does a pretty good job of getting his hands up at the line of scrimmage and knocking some passes down. It's not necessarily a strength, but he is aware of it, and he does go for that, which is good. I think his pass deflection numbers might be higher if he played more pass-happy teams as opposed to the SEC where it's a lot more power running. All right, Steve, before we jump into the weaknesses, are there any other strengths that you want to make sure you, you hit on with Payne? Yeah, there, there's a couple more things that I really like with Payne. The first being I love the way he reacts to the football, his pursuit angles are really good. He doesn't necessarily make tackles downfield because there's an Alabama defender there ahead of him, but I like the pursuit angles that he takes. And the other thing I like, and you can just tell he's smart. He finds the football. He knows his role. He doesn't lose contain, uh, whether it's a mobile quarterback or running back 
and he start and he thinks he's the only man. He makes sure that he's always pushing him to another Alabama defender. He does not, you know, make those bad plays where allows a, a guy to pick up big yardage after after running by him. The contain thing is something I really noticed as well, where he respected his role and didn't over pursue. There are a couple of times where the quarterback started scrambling and he just made sure that he couldn't get outside the pocket as opposed to chase him upfield and then kind of lose his lane and allow for a big run. So I agree with you that he was real disciplined in contained situations and any division where there's going to be a quarterback who can run, that's going to be a real helpful skill set for him to bring to a team. Absolutely. But you mentioned his uh, his, we- his weaknesses. We mentioned his inconsistency, which is certainly going to be one of his weaknesses. But what when you watch his game, what are the other concerns you have with it? Well, I, I think the number one concern is to start with his production, because while you know you brought up a good point, he is forcing guys in into uh, the arms of other Alabama defenders. The one thing is we've seen this with Alabama. We've seen them produce defensive linemen, interior defensive linemen after interior defensive linemen, and they all produce better numbers than Payne. So that is a concern to me that he's the one guy who wasn't able to produce like Tomlinson was, like, uh, you know, uh, Robinson and and uh, all these other guys that have come through the system these last couple of years. So that that is noticeable because there's just too many games where he disappears and stretches. You brought up the Tennessee game. There's a lot of games, and, and against some more inferior competition, teams like Vanderbilt, teams like that who don't have necessarily NFL-quality offensive linemen, and he's just not not making big plays or, or not making consistent uh, plays. So that that's a concern. I do think his leverage does worry me, especially projecting to the next level. I think he won a lot with raw strength and ability. He plays a little too high, and I, you know, like I think that one, you lose that first step ability that he has when you pop up a little too much. And just projecting him forward, when he starts facing these elite, you know, NFL quality centers and guards week in, week out, he's going to get moved off the spot more, much more if he plays that high. I, I think he needs to work on his leverage game and staying low in those situations uh, to be more consistent. That's probably fair. That probably goes back to which game you watch. Because it all, I think it all comes back to his inconsistency and his motor and all that stuff. Because I think there are plays where he plays with great leverage, and I think there are plays where it's it's garbage. And if he takes plays off like that in the NFL, he's gonna get exposed, and then he's not gonna be the dominant player he is. But there's so much potential there. There's raw potential, and I agree with you. Sometimes he just rely. He just showed up and was like i'm better than you and i'm gonna try to win that way and then someone out techniqued him and then he you just didn't hear from him um but when he played with a hot motor like those big games like the clemson game both years and the georgia game you see this phenomenal guy that's a top five talent in the nfl draft so i think it's in terms of what team he goes to and we'll get to that in a minute it's really gonna come down to interviews how comfortable teams are with his effort level Basically, are they convinced that he's – are they going to get the Georgia player or are they going to get the guy that shows up every few snaps? Because that guy isn't a first-round pick. I know before the podcast you told me you had a player comp that you were pretty proud of that you haven't seen elsewhere. So so can the can the people find out what this great comp is? The, the guy I kind of like him to is Kenny Clark. Uh, they're very similar size. Both had some inconsistencies. Clark really didn't do anything until his junior year. Um, but he did. He was more productive. I think he had like five, six sacks his junior year, uh, the year he came out. But they're very similar size. They can play the nose. They can play, you know, any of the interior line positions. 
And, you know, they're going to win early in their careers versus the run. And, and we've seen that with Kenny Clark. They're also both very young. Kenny Clark came out. He was only 20 at the time of the draft. Payne's going to be 20 at the time of the draft. Both are playing their first year as rookies at 21. And you just see the potential. You see the, the development possibilities with them. That's Yeah, that, I'm not even going to try to come up with another comp because I think that's really good. That's the best one I've heard. And it, your, your, your point about strengths, weaknesses, concerns, age. Age is another reason why Payne's going to get drafted higher too because people are going to say that there's that not only raw potential, but he's only 20 years old in that body with those physical tools that he could be a phenomenal player. So I always talk about landing spot as such a, a key point in how good a player is going to be. Right, people always talk about the assumption of rational coaching. Sometimes you get these guys and they just put them. I remember that as a Jets fan, they they were making Sheldon Richardson an outside linebacker and having him cover people, and they were getting mad it wasn't working. And I was like, maybe that's not a good idea. Obviously, we don't want Payne doing that. But if you could have Payne go to a team where you think he'd be most successful, where would you see him? Where would you want to see him go? I think it would be best for a team that can use him with a lot of versatility. Uh, and not just pigeonhole him into a nose tackle role because I think he's going to show up more um, when he can, you know, uh, move around to different spots and, and not just face the center, play in, play out. Um, I also think I want to see a team that allows him to one gap a lot more because I think his strengths are going to excel the more he can one gap and not be a read and react type of player. So I don't have necessarily a specific team. Uh, I mean, I think a lot of teams could use a guy like him, use him in a rotation. I think the only thing I'd say is I don't want a team that's going to automatically put him out there for 70% of the snaps and be surprised when 30% of those are maybe subpar, uh, or, or at least of what you're expecting as a rookie, because he's a young guy who has, who we know going in has inconsistencies. So I would, you, I would build him up and first year, maybe be a 50% player and then build up from there. So the, the team that I thought of and I think matches some of your description is the Atlanta Falcons because they have a lot of depth on their team. He could slide in next to Jarrett. You know, they, they can do a lot of different things. And Dan Quinn, you know, a defensive line guy originally, they, they really build their team on speed. They could rotate them in. They can adjust. They're not going to go push them in and force them to do a whole lot of things. I'm, I'm thinking of the way the Seahawks use Michael Bennett some, where obviously he's an edge guy, but they kicked him inside. They moved him all around the line, and they allowed him to use his physical technique, including that get-off, and really took advantage of that. And he wouldn't be—he wouldn't have a ton of pressure on him in Atlanta, right? Like he would be surrounded by a lot of other guys, and could kind of really develop into that role. So, I—I I think Atlanta that probably the, the floor for him, I would say. Like he's—he's he's probably locked in the first round, and I think the Falcons pick twenty-six. That—that that might be a little bit pessimistic in terms of where he might go, but I think he could really succeed in Atlanta. Yeah, no, I, I love that—that that spot for him. I think he'd be a great fit there. Like you said, uh, he doesn't have to do it all, and. Dan Quinn is, of course, a, a great guy to learn under. So that that would be a fantastic landing spot for him. And, yeah, I, I, I see him in the back half of the first round, um, you know, and there it just becomes who needs him the most and type of thing. But, yeah, Atlanta's probably the floor. I agree with that. Awesome. Steve, I just want to thank you for coming on, man. I, I know – I see all your your tweets. You love to get in conversations with people. I mean, we, we talk and I learn from you. Uh, why don't you tell the people kind of wh where they can find you and what you're working on? Uh, well, you can find me at uh, at Steve Speak uh, on Twitter. Um, I'm the uh, uh, content manager and co-founder of Fanspeak.com. We do the on-the-clock mock draft simulator. That's our bread and butter. 
Um, we do have a draft guide that's attached with the premium subscription with that. And, you know, that that's the main thing that I work on. I do write some Redskin co- content out there. And, and like, I, like you said, I like just talking about football in the draft on Twitter. Guys, he's a must follow, man. Anyone that's as smart as he is and is constantly willing to engage with people is the kind of person you want to follow. Make sure you check him out. I'm Elliot Chris, as always, your host of the Draft Daily Podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at Elliot Chris. You can check out the Draft Daily Podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and now Podbean as well. Guys, we really appreciate you listening as always. Thank you for your support. Man. Thanks for listening. Cross that line, line, I guarantee you there'll be nothing to save ya. I got a whole bunch of gorillas ready to pull the trigger and we are for that paper. Coming from a life of crime.